Yo, yo, yo. What up, y'all? And welcome to the Lively Life, Life Podcast. Podcast. So to, uh, the month of May is Foster Parent Awareness Month. So we had a chance to sit down with my sister and her husband, Hannah Michael, and uh, just interview them. Those who don't know, they are new foster parents. And uh, so they've been doing it for what? two maybe three months now so yeah we just interviewed them about the process what it takes to become foster parents and just how it's changed their lives so uh enjoy the interview so today we are here and we're going to be interviewing my sister-in-law and her husband shelby's sister and brother-in-law and they are foster parents and the Fun fact about May is that it is National Foster Care Awareness Month. So we thought it would be a great time to interview them about being a foster parent and just various aspects about their journey as foster parents. All right. So, yeah, uh, before we start talking about foster parenting, a little curveball. Anytime I have a couple on, I want to hear how y'all met. This is something met. new. Yes. So. so we met online okay. on, um, what is that? Meet Me. Meet Me. Okay. Yes. And we talked for a little while, and then we met at Johnson Park the first day. Okay. And That's Laverne, right? Yeah, no, it's in Andalusia. 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 Okay. Is that how it went in your mind, too? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we generally, generally connected that day, and I just kind of hit it off from there. Okay. Cute. Yeah. Apps bringing people there was together. No catfishing there. No. <laughs> <laughs> a successful online meetup. That's nice. There you go. He showed up and he looked like he said he was supposed to look. Yes. You would have ran away. If <laughs> I, I definitely would. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it was in the park and there was people there, well lit. You know. There it is. Safety. <laughs> Public meetup. You can't be meeting no hoogity boogity out in the woods. So <laughs> at least it was a public place. Then yeah. I didn't. I think I knew about the park, but I didn't know meet me. Is that like a dating app? Yeah. Like plenty of fish or something or kind of. It's free though, right? Yeah, it's free. free. Oh, okay. I mean, most dating sites. I don't think it really like matches you like that though. So it's not like no. match. No. Okay. No. I mean, it would show you who's in the area. It's been so long. Yeah. Within nice. a certain <laughs> radius, it will. Right. Wow. Okay. See, I I didn't know about this site. Yeah. I mean, sounds like a like a more nicer version of like Tinder. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of bots on there, so, I mean, it's a miracle that we found each other. Exactly, like, you matched with a bunch of bots. Oh! (laughs) Well, thank God y'all were both human. Yeah. Well, that's a cute intro. So, now we'll start talking about the foster parenting. Um, I looked online, and I saw that there's 6,000 foster kids in Alabama alone. That's astounding, you know, so there's definitely a need. For foster parenting, um, I guess, is what made y'all want to become foster parents? I think for me, um, you know, I've always wanted a big family. I've always said that. Um, And I've always felt the call to foster slash adopt. And the closer to the point we got, I we had been praying about it. And I had come across an ad or something um, to where you could put in that you wanted more info. And when I did, that's when um, 
Don called me uh, talking about classes and asked if we were looking at joining. So we just kind of took it. Was that a Facebook ad? Or? No, it was. It was. I don't remember. I do remember it being online, <laughs> I and I went on their website and filled out the application. It's pretty cool. It stuck out to you. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of like God speaking to us because yeah. we had been praying about it really, really hard because you know we don't have our own kids, so we were like, do we want to do this first, or mm. like at what point? And you know, it was kind of like He kept pushing us and pushing us, and I was finally like, okay, God, like. We're going to do it. You know, if, if it's yeah. your will, you know, mm. you'll provide for us what we need to do it. Yeah. It's kind of funny. You know, they say Google's always listening. I guess mm. they yeah. listen to your I prayers, mean, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you are Googling things about, like, how to be a foster parent, yeah. and foster parent and requirements, yeah, an ad might pop up and, you know, just kind of hang around. So I'm sure that, you know, it was helpful. That's cool, though, that they're doing stuff like that. And you're not just mm-hmm. getting ads for useless stuff to buy, but you're Absolutely. actually giving people ads and, like, reminders, you know, to, like, yeah. actually reach out and get more information. Because I think there's a big step between um, thinking about wanting to be a foster parent and actually taking the initial steps to talk to somebody about it. You know, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, yeah, I might would want to do that one day. But to actually go the next step and speak to somebody about their requirements and classes and everything is like a big deal. So, yeah, I do think it made it easier being online mm-hmm. for you to fill out the application mm-hmm. and then contact you. Because I right. feel like sometimes you get nervous and like, I'm not going to call yeah. DHR and ask about that. Like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, just kind of awkward and weird. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a good segue. Um, yeah. So you reached out with the ad. What was the process to become certified foster parents? Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Hey, so. <laughs> <you> wanna, <laughs> don't want to hog the mic. <laughs> I don't know much. Well, when did when did y'all when did so, y'all start it? Like what month was um, it? Ooh, we finished in October. Yeah, of twenty two. Six. 12, six, 12, six weeks. Six weeks? So, okay. Yeah, okay. so it would have been August. It was August. Yeah. Okay, we last August. We started in August and then so finished classes. you reached out on the ad. They called you and said, we have classes available. Yeah, she's like, classes work? start next week if oh you Oh, my wanna. gosh, that was yeah. quick because they don't do classes all the time. Yeah, and then she emailed me wow. the application, like the official like financial statement, all of that. She emailed it to me. Um so I printed it out, and we quickly filled it out because we thought that we needed to do that first before we could do classes. And like, right. it had to be approved. It does not. Like, you can do <laughs> classes, and that's one of the steps within the classes to fill out the paperwork. Um, so after that, we started classes. So what was the classes look like? Long. Long. <laughs> Very tedious. So it's called TIPS classes, trauma-informed parenting. So it covers, like, Things that you might see in foster care, such as certain traumas like alcohol, drug abuse, mm. uh, sexual assault, that kind of stuff, um, and how to handle it are the best ways that they have found to handle it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of gets you in the right perspective for like reunification back with the families mm. and to remind you ultimately that is the end goal is to get them reunified with family. Well, and that's like the interesting thing about foster parenting in those classes because it sounds like it's not just like a class on parenting because not only do you guys not have your own children, you have to figure out how to even parent, but (laughs) you're taking 
children who are being removed from their families for those um, trauma circumstances. So you're not only learning how to be a parent, but you're having to be a very specific type of parent that's able to coach them and help them through all of the different circumstances that, you know, they're dealing with. So that's a lot to have to learn, you know. I mean, there were nights that they they would tell us, like, this is heavy material. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We did several exercises (laughs) where they asked us to close our eyes and imagine being the child in this situation so Mm -hmm. that you can kind of, you know, get out of your selfish mindset and into the child's mind of, like, Mm -hmm. what a child might be thinking when it enters your home. Yeah. That's true. So you, when you filled it out, did you reach out to Michael whenever she, uh, she had called and be like, Michael, they've got a week. We got a <laughs> What did you say? Well, my first, I guess, concern was like my work schedule, just mm-hmm. trying to line it up. Yeah. Um, so when we got that underway, I was pretty excited. And I would say the more we did the classes, I feel like the more, the stronger my passion grew for doing this. Because yeah. I truly felt like we were called to do this and mm. give this love to these children that actually need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well then I have another question. Um, okay, so yeah, it was I was going to ask you guys about the requirements to become certified. And I know you touched on that a little bit. So what was like one of the requirements that was like kind of like your biggest like took the longest time or like your biggest hurdle or anything like that you know of through the requirements where you're like oh my gosh are we ever gonna get this one met are we ever gonna finally get a placement or anything like that I feel like we ultimately knew we were gonna meet the requirements but I would say the most tedious part is the like the length of getting finalized because you have to do three different home walkthroughs I guess the most stressful part of that was making sure we had everything Mm -hmm. ready for final walkthrough we'll say that last week when our final walkthrough was scheduled we were freaking out saying like oh we need this done (laughs) this done yeah but we felt ready but not ready at the same time because we don't know what they were expecting but I would say that was probably the most tedious part as far as the getting ready to be foster parents. Mm-hmm. So on the walkthrough, did they like give you like a list of things that you needed to get done before? Yeah. Like the you first child? walkthrough, well, before even so the So you're first... given a minimum standard packet, um, mm-hmm. and that's what she's going off of. It's a checklist mm-hmm. of state requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like he was saying, her first walkthrough, she come in and told us like, okay, well, I see this and this, you know, but follow your your requirement book right. and you should be fine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she followed it to a T. So as long as you follow the minimum standards, you're mm-hmm. good. I mean, in my head, it was more of like, we've got to do more than minimum standards. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be denied. It's a bunch of yeah. unknown, you know? Mm-hmm. If you were denied, would you have to like, repeat anything or would it just be a matter of correcting what you got wrong and then i mean unless we had any kind of legal trouble or financial trouble i don't see i wouldn't ever see her you know denying us completely she Mm. would kind of give us a actually this is what i that's why she has three visits so like the first Mm. one is to establish like this is what you need to work on second Mm. one is to check on update and then when she feel or when you 
when you have everything and you tell her you're ready, that's your final walkthrough. Mm. So by then you should have checked off all the boxes. Because mm. I remember when you were going through the process, it was like you had the six weeks of classes and then there was like this lull and then you had the visits and stuff. So like how many other things on top of the six weeks and the three visits was there? Was there anything um, else that you had so to do? So you have to do physicals for both me and him. Oh, I forgot about to, that. Um, yeah. Do you have to do go to like a doctor? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, drug test. We had to do uh, background checks, fingerprinting. Uh, because we're doing infants, you have to have flu and uh, what was the other? Uh, Pitocin yeah. yeah. shot, mm-hmm. which is uh, whooping cough. Whoop yeah. You have to get that as well. Um hmm. There was a long list. Did they make you get like the flu vaccine every year, or is yes. it just really yeah. okay? Oh wow, okay. We also had to get certified in CPR and swim safety. Yes. Did you have to go to a class for that, or is that just a test? So for CPR, we had someone come to our house, but they do hmm. offer the classes for free. Okay. Um, and then the swim safe, you know, we did that at the DHR office. With everyone. So you don't have to do a pool? It's just like they talk Mm -hmm. through it? No, no, no. You just talk Um, about, like, um, the causes of drowning, you know, the awareness of it, uh, what to do, how to be more safe, you know. They just showed you a bunch of videos on what not to do and what to do during, whether you're going to the beach or around a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That, I just wanted to let everybody know it definitely wasn't just six weeks and, okay, here's an infant. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, like, They're thorough. Yeah, They're the home thorough. checks, the the physicals, the immunizations, the mm-hmm. CPR training. And then there was still, references. oh, yeah, references needed to call everybody. Yeah. And you had to list out your whole family mm-hmm. tree, it yes. seems like. <laughs> let everybody know, everyone in your family. And then you have to have you know, recommendations for, like, who's going to have the baby if you go out of town and all of the stuff like that. Because um, Hannah and Michael are in the the lowest age category, zero to five, right? Yes. So they have special requirements, I'm sure, for your age group that, you know, you needed to fulfill because I'm sure that's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like personally that age group would be the hardest and would have more you know, along with it, because a 12 year old can do a lot of things on their own, but a newborn, and especially with you not having kids before, they want to make sure that anybody like knows how to like feed them properly, (laughs) you know, change diapers, which I mean, might seem self-explanatory, but if you've never had your own child, they want to make sure, you know, car seat safety and stuff. So that's a good point. So when did you get your first placement? Because right now, Hannah is holding a sweet little baby girl, but we want to hear her tell us about when she came to your home and just kind of a little bit of like, you know, um, like the biggest surprise you've had since, you know, you've got your first placement. So start from your last walkthrough. Okay. How many, <laughs> how many was it a couple weeks, a yeah. month? Um, oh, our last walkthrough was right before we went on the cruise. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, they yeah. called us with a, a placement that didn't stick. Um, mm-hmm. And that was right. in that March. Yes, March. at the end of March. Um, so you had a placement lined up for you to get back from the cruise. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. But then that didn't. That they reunified. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. But yeah, um, it was about a week and a half after Mm-hmm. I was at work and I got a phone call 
And she was like, we have one for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we were like, yeah, like, we'll take it. She's like, you sure? You sure? I'm like, absolutely, we'll take it. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to bring her to you tomorrow. So, you know, after having that first, like, initial one not, you know, Mm -hmm. they they were unified, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. But after that, we were kind of like, oh, my goodness, like, (laughs) do we prepare or do we not prepare? Like, how do you prepare for that? How do you Mm -hmm. not prepare for it? You know, because it's a bunch of unknown, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, something could happen and she could have reunified. But, Mm -hmm. um you know, we were blessed to have her in our home. Um, what information did they tell you about her before uh, she was placed with you? So DHR is not legally allowed to tell you unless you ask mm. the race, um, what else is it? Ethnicity, mm-hmm. religious belief, any of that. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask. Um, yeah. We, in fact, did not. We asked. Uh, what about the age? We asked age. Or okay. they told us age. Gender. Um, you can ask why they were removed, mm-hmm. but they don't tell you, you know, come out you. and tell you right away. I mean, you do learn that along the way, but um, you can ask if there's any behavioral problems. But obviously, right. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Being She's what it is, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's nothing really they can tell us other than that. So mm. we didn't really ask too much. I think we were kind of excited. Yeah. Gonna... I feel like you would definitely want to know how old, you yeah. know, yeah. that way you can kind of get preparations there, like there some clothes. a lot more preparation for, like, her age versus older ages. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if we would have been on the latter end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need bottles and formula and all the yeah. things. So, I hope they're yeah. like mental preparation against the two ages because mm-hmm. you get a newborn, there's not like mentally, there's not a lot you got to prepare for, but like say you got a five-year-old, mm-hmm. they know the situation they're coming yeah. from. So, mm-hmm. dealing with them and helping them deal through their emotions will be a lot harder than Mm-hmm. as it would be a newborn or a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they placed you with a newborn, mm-hmm. so she was just a small little baby. And then <laughs> didn't you run out and get her, like, a little, like, clothes or something like that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, that would have been, like, the sweetest thing. Be like, okay, so she's going to be this old, so now we got to find something that will fit her and everything mm-hmm. like I mean, that. we've been kind of... Since our first placement, I've been, like, wanting to extra prepare. I know with the first one, I went out and made welcome baskets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with her age, I was like, I can't really do that. You know, there's not much that she would need to feel, quote-unquote, welcomed, I guess. Just be held (laughs) a bottle. But we want that for all of our kids. So, like, anyone that comes into our home, we're going to have at least a welcome basket or a new outfit Mm -hmm. to say, like, hey, like, you're welcome here. Um we want you to fill out home. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good point. Um, so what is one thing you wish you would have known before you started fostering, if anything? Did you feel prepared, or was there still one thing that you're like, wow, I really didn't, I kind of underestimated this aspect? I mean, for me, you know, we don't have children, so yeah. I think the overwhelming of the unknown, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. You know that it's kind of a mystery, but, like, when you're in it and you're like, okay, you know, <laughs> is reunification going to happen? When is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. Is family going to step in? When will they step in? Mm-hmm. You know, 
will you get to keep her all week or will she not be here all week? Yeah. Um, I mean, it does play a big factor, you know? Does it scare you any? I don't know about scare. Yeah. Um, I think it stresses me out sometimes because yeah. you're like, you don't know how to prepare. Right. You know, coming from someone that prepares everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to have a schedule. <laughs> I like to know how my week's going to go. It is, you know, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of trusting God's will in yeah. it all. Mm-hmm. Same for you. I will, I will, I will agree. It's more of the unknown because with each placement, I think you have more questions than you have answers for at the time. Yeah. And you don't get those answers until you get further along the process when mm-hmm. she's in, when she's in your, when they're in your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also feel like too, sometimes you don't even get the answers, like right. all the yeah. answers. Like you constantly have questions. Mm-hmm. And then there's the factor of like, you don't know what the children's families are like you know mm-hmm. you could have a family that's genuine and sweet and then you can have the other ones that are very toxic and negative towards you which yeah those feelings are justified because you know you don't want your child placed in a stranger's home but there's mm-hmm. also those external factors that you have to look for yeah well i mean i guess a message to those parents that you know have had their children place in foster homes is knowing that like we were talking about earlier that they might necessarily not know everything you went through to be able to have her in your home so it's not like they just pick somebody off the street like you went through a lot of classes a lot of training a lot of prayers a lot of preparation you know so it's not like they're you know, giving out children I mean, I to people unprepared. I know there's a lot of negative stig- stigmatism sometimes around fostering because there mm-hmm. are people that do it for the money, but I'm here to tell you, like, the money does not, if you're truly in it for the right reason, the money does not compensate as much as you spend. I mean, yeah. the amount that we've spent yeah. just on making sure that she has plenty of clothes and mm-hmm. just, like, everything she could ever want, yeah. you know, does not compensate for the check that we received. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if that was what we were getting in for, then we chose the wrong thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotta be more efficient with your money. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing their first check to what we spent on their first night alone, it... it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'll let you take the next one. Uh, okay, so some people may think they're possibly too busy to foster. Uh, I know y'all have pretty full lives, so you want to talk anything about some of the things y'all are currently juggling? So we both are juggling full-time jobs, right? and we are also full-time students mm-hmm. at yes. Troy University. Um, so I will say that I don't really feel like there's such a thing as being too busy yeah. to become a foster parent mm-hmm. and each person's situation is different but if you have a, two people that are working full-time jobs mm-hmm. and also full-time students I feel like anyone can do it mm-hmm. I mean it is a lot so I won't <laughs> say just you know anyone can because you know we have other stuff outside of that as well um, but I feel like just you know if you manage your time correctly and you use your resources like you know, DHR help us to get on family guidance so that we can get her into daycare. And, you know, we we're trying to figure that out and, you know, you utilize those resources. And I feel like that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to know your county's DHR and to know, you know, like ask for the help because if you don't, then they don't know you have a need. But if you tell them your need, 
a lot of times the DHR office will help you with whatever little thing you might have. Mm-hmm. And your job has been really good, Hannah, about like, you know, uh, helping you be able to take off to go take your tour doctor visits and um, now visitation and stuff. So just things like that, you know. Absolutely. Miss Ketchup has been just phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Um, just letting me off when I need it. Yeah. On the spur, you know. They call that she's sick and, you know, I can leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably not her favorite thing, but yeah. <laughs> she has been really good to work with me. Yeah, so it's not always as simple as just, you know, okay, well, we've got daycare lined up, so now I'm going to go to work and she's going to go to daycare because she has doctor's appointments, she has visitation appointments and things like that. So you got to kind of make it all manage. But oh, yeah. if you can do it by, while in school and working, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. it lessens the um, stereotype that, you know, uh, people just are too busy to be able to foster. Like, I mean, everyone's got the same amount of hours in the day. It's kind of just what you want to do with mm-hmm. that time. Right. And I, I think, think it's honorable. If God truly calls you to it, he'll make the time. He'll yeah. make the resources happen. You know, mm-hmm. if you're called to do it, just do it. You know, yeah. you can't run from it forever. You know, yeah. God wants you to do it. It's going to happen. You mm-hmm. know? It's all true. about using your outside resources and the support system you have behind you. I'll say we've been blessed with a pretty yeah. damn good support system. <laughs> yeah. Your mom has been and your dad have been super involved. They love babies. So <laughs> they were. Aunt Kimmy and Uncle Shelby have been oh, yeah. amazing helping where we need help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we love loving on them, and, you know, we'll always be here for any of your placements. Um, but I did want to ask, so what is your favorite part about being a foster parent? I feel like the reward of... Um, of it all, you know, the emotional reward, because mm-hmm. there's not very much physical reward to any of it, you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, reunification is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, the emotional war- reward of knowing that, like, you get to pray over this child, you get to pray mm-hmm. over the parent, and mm-hmm. when they do get reunified, you know, you get to see the success story of, like, hey, mom got it together, and, like, she's back with it you know, with baby, and, like, that's amazing, Mm -hmm. like, the reward of that, to me, is the most rewarding thing. Yeah. I would agree, like, getting to reunite, reunify these children with their parents is probably would have to be the greatest reward Mm -hmm. that would come from this process. The hardest, but yet most rewarding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And see, baby girl is so small that, like, she won't like, if she gets reunified before she's old enough to have, like, memories, yeah. then she won't necessarily remember you, but just knowing that it's enough that mm-hmm. you remember her and, like, uh, what you guys did for her life, you know, oh, whether yeah. she remembers or not, so. We were one small piece of mm-hmm. her big picture of life. Yeah, exactly. Did mm-hmm. you have one? Um, yeah, another one. Yeah. Um, so how long do you guys plan on being foster parents for? Do you have like a timeline of like, we're going to be open to this for the next so many months or years? Or have you um, talked about that? I don't know. I feel like we'll do it as long as we can. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, we only have so much space in our house. So, yeah. you know, if we were to ever wind up having our own, that would take a space away, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but you know, eventually we do hope to buy a bigger house. So you never know. We might be able to do it for years on years on years. But 
mm-hmm. until we feel like it's time to pull out i feel like yeah we'll do it mm-hmm. well, i would agree with that when god tells us it's our time to give it up we'll give it up i will say mm-hmm. after the first place now i've grown a stronger passion for doing this Mm -hmm. um and i see us doing it for a long time Mm -hmm. in the extended future but whenever god decides Mm -hmm. it's time to give it up that's when we'll decide yeah it's time to throw the white flag you know but (laughs) i see us doing it for a while yeah i mean that sounds like you know the best answer you could have that way you're not coming in with it with your own plans and Mm -hmm. agendas because we all know that god's gonna do his will anyway so like if you said three years then you just know that it would be uh, longer if he wanted you to (laughs) so we never know we might be one of those families that have like 14 adopted kids yeah fostering six more (laughs) oh i was gonna ask is there a limit on how many foster kids you can have i know that like your space yes so um there's room requirements yeah um but you can only have six foster children Mm -hmm. in a home at one time okay but if one foster child becomes adopted that becomes five then starts to count to five okay um but obviously Mm. there's room requirements as in after they turn the age of five only girls can be in the same room um, you know, you have to keep the same genders together mm-hmm. after the age of five, you know, the little ones, they can co-sleep, but, yeah. um, the older they get, the more specific they are. And I do think you have to have so much space in between each bed or I know at least the cribs, we have to have so much mm-hmm. space in between them. That way they're, you're not just like packing in like a ton of children yeah. <laughs> and, and taking on more foster children than you can handle, especially yes. because, like, she's so tiny, but she has a packed schedule. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how small she is. They still have, like, a lot of things going on. So I can only imagine, you know, having multiple children. You know, you've got to manage all of their things, and especially if they're older. Like, imagine if you yeah. had them in activities, too. Like, imagine if she had to go to soccer practice. Like, <laughs> then, then you'd have to find some, some way to be able to get her to her, all of her dance and all of the other things, softball, who knows what. I was going to ask, um, so y'all are set up to be between zero and five years old. Yes. Is there any reason why y'all chose that age group? Um, originally, it was to get our feet wet because, mm-hmm. you know, the older they are, the more trauma that they're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, four and five, even three sometimes, they are pretty aware of what's going on. But mm-hmm. the older they are, the more they understand the totality of it. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like emotionally, I don't know that I could help guide that. I mean, you know, yeah. if I had to, I could. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I mean, I have a better time at relating to, like, a child's trauma versus, like, the complexity of uh, older kids' trauma. Yeah. And I would say, like, to get our feet wet first is why we did that age range. Um, as she said that, the older the child gets, the more trauma they they'll face mm-hmm. and um just they're getting taken away from their families so that's a lot to put on a child and they're, they're gonna have a lot of emotions that come with it mm-hmm. i know how to talk like for example an eight-year-old i have an eight-year-old niece but mm-hmm. adding trauma to that is a lot harder for you know mm-hmm. for someone to bear so there's a lot of uh trauma you have to be informed about and really personally train yourself on to truly help 
each children. Mm-hmm. Each children. And um, both of your degrees are, you know, has that, that's prepared you, don't yes. you, wouldn't yes, you agree, yes. for this? Because they both have, um, are studying for degrees for, like, counseling. So you guys have tons of, like, yes. classes mm-hmm. that, like, inform you on all sorts of things of that nature and trauma. Yes. So you'll be able to use those for any future children that you have that are going through those things too. I will actually say like a side note, when we were taking the TIPS classes, we seen some ideas we've learned from our psychology class implemented into those classes, like the genograms for an example. Mm -hmm. We like saw those inside out and when we we saw those taking the classes, I'm like, oh wow, we learned this in Dr. Sanders' (laughs) class. It was pretty interesting to have like, the two mm-hmm. bring yeah. together. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they work with, like, DHR works with counselors and, you know, program people like that to make sure so. that it's part of their curriculum mm-hmm. and stays up to date. Because, I mean, I think that that's also, like, a sector that, you know, we learn more about, like, how to deal with traumas and mental health, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not, like, a stagnant mm-hmm. career field. So just making sure that, you know, they're always teaching, like, um, you know, the newest Latest trends. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> The, new, the newest thing on, like, how to, you know, like, gentle parenting and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, like, you know, avoiding violence and just using words and also, I feel like it's just been, it's very different now versus, like, when our parents were growing up, you know, yeah. the parenting yeah. styles. So, I'm sure they're teaching a much more modern approach. <laughs> I mean, you have to remember that every child's action is a reaction to something environmental you know, mm-hmm. something else going on in their life. So you have to s- stop and think like, hey, what could cause that? And mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, I'm just going to beat you. Like, yeah, you can't. I mean, they come from homes like that sometimes. And mm-hmm. like that just re-traumatizes them. So you mm-hmm. have to learn how to, you know, be emotionally available to help them figure out their need and help provide for their need. Mm-hmm. And they could bring another one to you. If you accepted yes. right now while Absolutely. you have her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they've been kind of pushing around the bush about whether <laughs> really? they want another one or not. Oh, wow. And so, like, if you said yes, would they, you think they would give you another one right away? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> like, the parents? I mean, we talked about it the other day. And, like, yeah. I mean, we've kind of gotten the hang of it, oh, you know? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, she's been here a few one. weeks now, right? How many weeks has she been uh, here? Almost two months now. Oh. Almost two months. Wow, time's uh, flying. Not next week, but the next will be two months. Wow, time is flying. That's crazy. <laughs> is that not? <laughs> yeah, and just to think that, like, if you said yes, that they would bring another one, and then yeah. you'd be juggling too. <laughs> if you wow. asked us a month ago, it would probably be no. Cause <laughs> yeah. I'm it is a huge transition. And all that together. Mm-hmm. We probably mm-hmm. wouldn't like, you're out your mind. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've kind of got it together, it's like. Almost experts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Considering we had no kids starting with this. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there you go, people. It only takes two months. <laughs> and then you're experts. And then you can just add on all the children. I will say we were blessed. I mean, our first placement has been an absolute blessing. You know? Yeah. Probably the easiest that it will ever be. I mean, they yeah. remind us that constantly. Yeah. Really? 
<laughs> they're saying the next one might not be so easy. So you do have to remember that when they ask you that question. Mm. I like, love that. I don't know that we're going to look up this time. <laughs> they're like, we're going to throw you a softball to start you out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just make sure you stay around. Yeah. A little bit at least. And then you got baby snuggles immediately. You're like, oh, yeah, yes. I'm into like, this. this. Yeah. <laughs> baby cuddles, baby clothes, all the cute things all at once. Well, I did have one more question. So what is one piece of advice that you have for people interested in becoming foster parents someday? Um, really just do it. I mean, do your research. Uh, there's there's a lot of organizations out there like Agape and uh, we went through DHR, of course. Um, yeah. But do your research. Learn um, it never hurts to take the classes. Yeah. The classes certify you for so many months. And if nothing else, you'll learn whether it's for you or not. Um, yeah. Go on the website and fill out the information. And it might take a while for them to get back to you. But, like, they'll get back to you because I promise you they need homes. So, yeah. um, you know, even if you have any kind of questions, just fill out the information. And when they call, ask. You know, it never hurts to ask. And there's no hard commitments, is there? Like, no, you can no, no, back no. Out when you anytime. take those classes, like, yeah. some people don't show back up. You know, right. really? you don't have to take, like, you don't have to finish it. That's know, there's no money involved in taking the classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which DHR covers most everything. Um, yeah. From CPR to first aid to all of, in between, they cover. Yeah. I think that's a good point, you know, knowing yeah. that you could always go to a few classes and if you feel like, uh, this might be a little bit over my head right now. Yeah. You know, you could always, you know, come back at a later point in time. But it's not like, oh, because you reach out that you're set in stone going yeah, to be no. a foster parent <laughs> and they're giving you a child next week. So, And I will say for our county, just do it. I mean, our our county's DHR has been phenomenal. And I know mm-hmm. they say not everyone's is like that, but like just really trust your resources because like ours have been just absolutely great about answering every little question that we ask and they don't have an attitude about it yeah they're there to help you succeed and that's important too because you know you um really want your experience to be positive and especially with there being such a need you really want to make sure that you know you're working with people who are encouraging and not because you know i mean think about it like if you had bad interactions it would make you not necessarily want to be a part of you know their county's dhr so and then you couldn't have a whole baby that's who you're gonna be answering to yeah like you know your caseworkers that's your caseworkers that's your you know the people that are going to be in your home every month like yeah yeah and those caseworkers you know I know um, just from like hearing from you they work so hard so like any any little thing you could ask of them they would always if they didn't have the answer it sounds like they would get right back to you and let you know and you know just do whatever they can to help out because they want it to work not only on answering questions but like they are always asking if we need anything because Mm. like if we ever needed anything they would find any kind of way to get whatever we needed and there's other organizations like uh fostering hope that have like uh closets for Mm -hmm. foster parents Mm -hmm. to be able to go in and it's completely free so like there's plenty of resources so like do your research Mm -hmm. there's really you know don't be scared to to just jump into it (laughs) what about you michael i would say the biggest advice i can give to possible future foster parents would be each kid's different no Mm. kids is going to be the same what works for Susie's not going to work for Tommy 
and yeah. each situation's different so mentally preparing yourself for all situations you may face oh, that would be the biggest advice i could give yeah just be aware of it you know mm-hmm. that's true because i mean every you know every adult you meet is going to be unique so, mm-hmm. so it's going to be the same thing with children too and especially with their added circumstances on top of it so just always gotta you know you know, be knowledgeable and um, willing to learn, I think, you know, because you're not going to be in the same situations that they are, but you're going to still have to try to understand what they're going through and help them through it in the best way forward. So I think fostering um, has always um, seemed very admirable, you know, um, for people to do. And, you know, growing up in church, they always like talk about it and say that there's such a need. But I feel like you don't run into as many people who actually go through it. It's like everyone talks about it, but not as Mm. many people sign up and go through the classes. So I feel like sometimes it is taboo topic. Yeah. Um, A lot of people don't want to look at it like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, the insanity of how could you love someone else's kid and be so willing to to like root for the parent mm-hmm. you know it is insanity in a certain sense you know mm-hmm. because you have to take this kid in your home and love them as if they're your own but when the time comes you have to let go you know like some mm-hmm. normal parents struggle to let their children go you know mm-hmm. off to college or off to do other things in life so like we you literally sign up to you know, mm-hmm. love and let go, really. Mm-hmm. I think you might have had it written down in your questions, or did you get through yours all the way? But Which one? Well, um, I remember Shelby and I were talking about it, but, um, you know, people who say, like, oh, I couldn't be a foster. Like, how do you do that? How do you give, you know, mm-hmm. give up the child and everything? How, You know, how is that not so hard? Or I, I don't want to put myself through those kind of, you know, that kind of, um, just sadness and all that stuff. What do you say to people who that's their mindset right now? I mean, it is heartbreaking because yeah. you know you're human, mm-hmm. but you have you have to look past that, mm-hmm. and you have to remember that what you're doing is going to play a big part of their life. You know, mm-hmm. um, even if they're with you a short amount of time, you know. Mm-hmm you've provided a loving home or should provide them a loving home for however long you have them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have to look past your selfish, you know, human feelings and Mm -hmm. look at how God, you know, treated us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He doesn't hoard us. He lets us go. He loves and lets go, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. So, I think, you know, it's important to, like you were saying, like, um, see past the, not possible, but it, you're you're going to have heartbreak, you yeah. know, to look past that selfishly, to know that, you know, what you're going to do for the child, you know, and love them is more important than protecting your own heart. Yeah. So, that makes sense. And I would say in some situations, it's not the, like, say you have a child put in your home, you fall in love with them, <clears throat> and they got a you got to let them go but in some scenarios you'll connect with parents and they will still i've had because i have a co-worker who's a foster parent mm-hmm. and he said that he has a group of parents that lets him babysit the kids on the weekend because he formed that connection with the said oh, parents wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. so that's not yeah. going to be that for every single situation yeah. but you will have situations where you, 
you played such a big role in this kid's life. The parents yeah. still want you to be instead of kids. It'd be life. nice to still That's help cool. them out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were struggling at some point, so yeah. just to be there to still support them and support the child. Huge, yeah. yeah, imagine really cool. being able to like um, bring presents, like birthday mm-hmm. presents for a kid that you mm-hmm. fostered, you know, and, you know, that way, you know, you get to still interact with them if the parents allow and everything. And they also get to know you as like another mm-hmm. another parent in their life. You know, I, yeah. I don't think that anybody ever has ever said that, you know, they've yeah. had too much love, yeah. too many parents, yeah. too, too many people who care about them, surrounding them. So... Yeah, I think that's really cool that I didn't really think about that, you know, that you could still um, possibly have connections with them further yeah. down the road. Mm-hmm. I'd be sending a book with them. <laughs> this is me. Remember me. I loved you when you were small and tiny. I changed your dirty butt. <laughs> Did you have anything else? Yeah. Um, okay. So when you think, I feel like when you think about a typical foster parent, it's usually someone who's older, who's either already had kids, maybe their kids have grown up and they just maybe feel lonely or whatnot, but I feel like y'all are really young for be foster parents. Uh, do yeah. you feel like fostering is going to help you become a better parent if you decide to have kids of your own? Absolutely. We've talked about it uh, just recently, actually. Just, you know, not having kids and not, I mean, I've always known that I've had a maternal instinct, but mm-hmm. to see it kick in mm-hmm. and, you know, to see you, you, you get to raise the child, you know, so it's like right. being a mom. So yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to cause me to worry less because, yeah. you know, You've seen it you know, I take the baby home from the hospital. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I've been there. I know yeah. that, like, that's okay. That's normal. That's fine. Like, <laughs> it's really we're cool going to survive. First time, first time parents with so much experience, you know. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Not only with you working in a daycare, but like having foster children. Because, right. you know, some people, they take the baby home and they're like, okay, what now I got to figure out how to work this car seat you're like i've done the car seat thing a jillion times i've done the bottles the diapers the night feedings the crying the fussing the gas drops i'm sure it makes like making a registry easier Mm -hmm. and then you know like if we're still fostering at the time we still will have stuff already so it's like you know don't need as much yeah one step more prepared than actually a thousand steps more prepared (laughs) than the first time parents pretty cool First-time parent with all the parenting experience <laughs> and advice. Is that your last one? I think so. Um, any... I, I got through all mine. You got all yours? I, yeah, I did mine. Okay. So uh, any long-time listener of our show knows we like to end our interviews with a simple question. Um, is foster parenting lively? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like our life has become more lively since becoming foster parents. Mm-hmm. I will say I feel like our lives has become a lot more energetic. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more busier. So I will say that. Early mornings, late nights. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2 a.m. feedings. Yeah, hair screaming back at 6 in the morning. So yeah. it's, it's definitely an adjustment period. But it's I all worth say, it, right? absolutely i want it i want to change it for the world it it's amazing yeah it's been sweet too i guess man it's crazy how time flies because i'm like she's been here like three four weeks but you're like it's been two months it's just crazy (laughs) yeah that's crazy i don't know time's flying but it's just been sweet to watch you guys be able to like not only is she getting bigger but you guys are you know like so used to her like she you know she's starting to recognize you know you guys and um feel comfort when you you know you guys are around definitely from the run um 
she gave us a run for our money when we watched her. And then Hannah comes home and she's like, sweet baby angel. I was like, you are doing this because your mama's home. So you can tell she's... Yeah, so you can tell that, like, she's, like, you know, definitely, you know, used to you guys. Yeah, Yeah, and she's attached. So it's just sweet to see how quickly that happens. And, like, you're literally watching her grow up. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing. Yeah. I will say. Who knows? Well, who knows how long you'll get to have her, but hopefully you'll get to keep her for a couple more milestones. Oh, yeah. You know, it'll be sweet to watch her. So. And even then, maybe. You know, we can have that connection to where if mm-hmm. if and when she's reunified, that we'll get to see her grow up mm-hmm. and still kind of get to be a small piece of her life. You know? Yeah, that's true. I think that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, this was great, guys. Yeah. I'm glad that we were able to, you know, talk about all these different foster parenting things because I really wanted kind to of make sure. Kind the curtain behind it all, you know, like yeah. so people see. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, um, people don't really know exactly what all goes into it. Mm-hmm. So it's like letting, you know, everyone know that, you know, there is like this, like, length of time where you're going to be going through all these different things and you're going to be wondering oh my gosh are we ever actually going to get a placement yeah. but then once you do you're like oh my gosh we yeah. have one it was all worth it you know yeah. every all of the home inspections and <laughs> adding the baby gates and all of that yes. stuff was worth it mm-hmm. so I hope maybe someone listens to this interview and it inspires them to possibly become a foster parent, too. Even if they're busy and young, because you guys are, like, the exact opposite of probably, like, most of the foster parents out there. So, if anybody can do it, let them be an example. I mean, if they ever have questions, you know, we don't ever mind answering anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it helps to have connections that are in it to support you when you start your process we'll just send this podcast over to the coffee (laughs) county dhr just like um so hannah and michael are now your spokespeople (laughs) if you guys go and talk to people i bet they'll have like a ton more they're Mm. like listen this is everything we have going on but we still did it then everyone will be like, oh, yeah, we could totally do that. <laughs> so. I don't have to say it too much so they're not cursing our name. How do they do this? <laughs> we just got an angel baby. Sorry. Crazy enough. Okay? <laughs> we just have a lot of luck with kids, and it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Thank you all so much for talking with us Thank today. Thank you for having us. Well, that was really informative and a super fun interview to do, and I hope that, you know, it uh, touches the right people. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, Before we wrap things up, just want to give everybody an update. We have reached 250 people who have watched or listened (laughs) to uh, our podcast. It's maybe not specific individual people, but 250 views of our podcast, which is awesome. Yeah. we really want to try to get more people to listen. Yeah, just a wider <laughs> um, scope range. I think once we reach certain benchmarks, like milestones, we may try to give away prizes, possibly. Yeah, that would be really fun. Really cool. So if you're Get interested away. in prizes. Uh, share. Yeah, listen. Tell your friends. Share it. Do everything to get people to listen to it. And we'll try to do some kind of prizes and giveaways. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. And, I mean... I mean, it's really not that difficult to just send it to one person or yeah. share it on your feed or something. I promise nobody's going to think you're spammy over yeah. that. 
So, um, yeah, we would really appreciate it if you would just send it out to people. We're on um, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Google. Am I missing any? Uh, that's the main ones, I think. Yeah, I think those are the main po- The Lively Life podcast. And we're on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And again, we are on Instagram at the Lively Life underscore podcast. So feel free to reach out to us there as well. All right. And as always, stay, stay lively, lively, y'all. y'all.